0: Welcome back to Cartels, Conspiracies, and Camarena. I am Dak Llewellyn. Thanks for joining me. Today, we are going to go in a slightly different direction. And we're going to look at Mexican cartels in a new way. And I think it'll be interesting. But I want to also explain why we're going into it. I've said on these podcasts and in other places that from an academic sense, I think the structure of the Mexican cartel network, if we will, which is all the, you know, if you take all the cartels and cartel affiliates and you kind of map it out, that whole group understanding how they work individually and collectively to me is fascinating It's also fascinating to me to think about and understand what makes CJNG and CDS unique amongst Mexican cartels, and I think in many ways they are. I also think they're relatively special and noteworthy, even in comparison to other cartels or drug organizations within Central and South America. So what in comparing them to themselves or to other groups, what makes them special? What do they have in common? How is it that they have been able to achieve their prominence and maintain it in ways that others were not able to do? Why is that important beyond just an academic sense? And and as an aside, I think from an academic sense, it's important because it also allows us to use some of that information in other areas. But more importantly, if we, using the global we, are going to adopt policies designed to stop the spread of cartel influence, to decrease the level of inter-cartel violence in Mexico, to decrease the amount of drugs flowing through the cartels from Mexico into the United States, I think it is imperative that you understand the cartel structure, you understand the cartels themselves, and you understand what will happen if certain actors are removed from that network structure I described. Last week, I went on a bit of a rant, and part of that rant surrounds this idea. And somebody had sent to me recently in a couple of different formats, but had said, this is is ridiculous. Nobody needs to understand this because, quote, the history of Mexican cartels is both predictable and consistent. And I think that is pure poppycock, all right? I don't think the history is either predictable or consistent, and I can explain that in 47 different ways. But moreover, it's this assumption that we know everything. And I know there are former DEA agents, law enforcement officers who listen to this podcast on at least a semi-regular basis. And your information, your knowledge in most respects regarding these cartels far exceeds mine. I acknowledge that but I also believe that even globally all the information that the DEA and other law enforcement agencies have is not necessarily complete that its analysis isn't necessarily complete and to say The history of Mexican cartels is predictable and consistent because I know that. And thus, as a result, I know the appropriate policies that should be undertaken both in Mexico and the United States, I think does a disservice to other viewpoints and analyses and has resulted in a situation where we continue to face the problems we are facing. So. With that, today we're going to look at a tool, a methodology that comes from social sciences, comes from academia in large part, and it's called social network analysis, okay. And we are going to look at how social network analysis, and I'm going to explain probably in way too much detail what social network analysis is in a second. But how we can use this tool, this methodology, to understand the cartel network and how we can understand some of the major players in that network most particularly CJNG and CDS. Okay, so what is social network analysis? In short, social network analysis is a perspective that uses several different approaches to produce a broad strategy for investigating and understanding complex. Social structures. Okay. Social network analysis basically studies two things. It studies the behavior, actually, three things, sorry. It studies the behavior of the individual at the micro level, it studies a pattern of relationships that is kind of the network structure at the macro level, and then the interactions between those. Micro, macro, and how they interact. So if you want to think about it in the cartel structure, think about CDS. It's the behavior of CDS kind of on a micro level in and of itself, and then how it reacts or interacts in the network structure and the interactions between those two. And I think this will become more clear in just a second. One of the premises of social network analysis is the idea that social networks are both the cause of and the result of individual behavior. By that, I mean social networks both provide and limit the opportunities for individual choices at the same time, you can say that individuals can initiate, construct, maintain, break up different relationships, and by doing so at that macro level, they change and in some respects determine the note the structure of the network on a macro level. So understanding both of those is important. What else is important is understanding those network structures and positions that create opportunities or create situations where there are strong constraints and also understanding how social capital is created by different and varying social relationships. In social network analysis, social scientists have taken a large number of measures and developed them to characterize and compare network structures and positions within the network. So again, if you're thinking about All the cartels and cartel affiliates and subgroups as the cartel network, you know, how do you compare and contrast and understand the positions within that network? So, depending on how you want to focus, you can analyze the differences in centrality. Which I'll explain in a second. You can investigate connected clusters, positions of relative equivalence, unique positions, outliers. All of those can be done, as well as an analysis of the network structure as a whole and within that structure for the effectiveness of the goal treatment, both on a macro and a micro level. So there are a couple of terms that are really important, and I think they get discussed a little bit in the the material we're going to talk about in a second. So I want to at least introduce us to those terms. So density refers to the connections between participants. So that's density is the number of connections a participant has divided by the total possible connections a participant could have. So let's say I'm in a network with 10 other people. So there's 10 possible connections and I connect with three, then my density is a 30% participation, right? Because I interact with, I connect with three out of the 10 possible ones. Centrality is important because it focuses on the individual participants within a network, and it measures the extent to which an individual interacts with other individuals in the network. Remember In the cartel setting, the individuals are the cartels and the cartel subgroups. So the degree to which, say, CDS interacts with other cartels and cartel subgroups. The more an individual connects to others in a network, the greater their centrality. And there's two ways of looking at that centrality. In-degree centrality concentrates... On a specific individual, a specific cartel in our case, and the centrality of all the other individuals is based on their relation to that focal point, that in-degree individual. So if you want to say that our point of focus is CDS, then in-degree centrality is the degree to which all of the other Individuals in the network relate to CDS. Out degree centrality, on the other hand, still focuses on the individual, say CDS, but here the analysis is concerned with the outgoing interactions of that individual. It is a measure of how many times the focus point individual in our analysis or our example CDS interacts with others within that network. Put this all together and you can create a number of data points and analyses and you can also create something called a sociogram which is a visualization with defined boundaries of the connections within the network. Last but not least, is the idea that you can use both qualitative and quantitative methodologies because the idea is there are times when quantitative alone isn't sufficient. The idea is that networking theory and a qualitative analysis place quantitative data in critical context. This interaction or this um, process, social network analysis, is used in a number of different settings again, in large groups. Um, It can be used in corporations. It can be used by social scientists. It can be used by political scientists in voting patterns and and things of that nature. It's also become very prominent in the world of criminology. And there is a... um, There was a, a... Program Operation Blackbird um, that disrupted a huge cannabis cannabis cultivation network in the Netherlands. The authors of these reports that we're going to talk about note that in the Blackbird case, quantitative data was able to identify women as central actors even though detectives had paid them minimal attention. Detectives also applied a qualitative methodology to understand why women occupied those central positions, providing a deeper understanding of the mechanisms associated with the criminal network, thus uh, providing an opportunity to infiltrate And then break up that that network. Okay, so that's the idea of social network analysis. Now we're going to look at two reports. Two reports that come out of primarily the Rice University Baker Institute for Public Policy. And we're going to look first at a report... From 2002, April 2002, includes um, a Dr. Nathan Jones, who is a um, scholar in drug policy and Mexican studies at the Baker Institute and a professor at Sam Houston State University. The paper also includes a political scientist from the Rand Corporation and social scientists from... UC Irvine and the University of Southern California. In this paper, what those scientists tried to do was use social network analysis to assess Mexico's organized crime alliance and subgroup network structures. They did a comparison. Of CJNG and CDS using that analysis. They looked at the overall network and the number of isolates, you know, organized elements, organized crime groups, um, cartel like structures that had very little or no relationships to other groups. And they tried to look at. What might fill a future power vacuum based upon network positions and things? The paper is about 20 pages long with about 10 pages of footnotes. And I probably bored you on the minutia already. So we're going to skip some of the analysis and just go to the conclusions, which I think are extremely important. Conclusion number one is something that I think we all can agree on and already knew. And that is that Mexico has a bipolar alliance structure that is essentially divided between CJNG and the Sinaloa cartel. But what's important is the paper says that it demonstrates that these alliances have fundamentally different structures so with respect to CJNG and their structure the paper concludes that CJNG is highly centralized with almost no subgroup ties CJNG thus appears to be a dominant hierarchical and critical node It strongly suggests that CJNG seeks control of the groups within its network as a monopoly. Many of the allies and subgroups have names similar to CJNG, demonstrating an attempt to brand the groups as subgroups and affiliates. It also suggests that the removal of CJNG, whether through you know, natural attrition of its leadership, targets by government or um, other cartels, that such a removal of CJNG could be highly disruptive to the alliance and slow its seemingly inexorable territorial expansion. Conversely, CDS pursues a denser alliance network strategy, inserting itself into existing alliances or fomenting alliances among its subgroups. Two likely explanations of this according to the report. First, CDS's alliance structure could be a sign of weakness in the face of the national expansion of CJNG And the alliances that are reflected in the paper and from this social network analysis could be a sign of a realist balancing by non-state actors. Second explanation is that the CDS alliance structure is the result of its modus operandi related to a transactional business model and a history of a federation and networked alliances. In this scenario, it is simply the Sinaloa cartel's style to form alliances and federations with existing trafficking and organized crime groups. The authors go on to say both of these scenarios are equally likely And the reality is that both may be contributing to the structure. Now, remember, a few months ago, we looked at some analyses from the Brookings Institute. And this analysis, the analysis from the Brookings Institute is very different. It's based on interviews, based on interactions with people who dealt with cartels and in some cases with former cartel members. It was much more um, anecdotal and and not data-driven, which does not, does not in any way diminish its value, significance, or accuracy. Okay? But if you'll remember, there were a number of things that were said there that are very, very similar to what we just heard about this bipolar structure. One of the things said in this Brookings paper report is the Sinaloa cartel's self-presentation is one of buttoned-down criminals whose oppressive rules come with predictability and some level of moderation. Indeed, a key hallmark of the Sinaloa cartel has been a rather careful calibration Of violence that imposes its domination in a form to which local politicians, businesses, and people can develop predictable coping mechanisms. The Sinaloa cartel keeps a lower behind-the-scenes profile, one of polite extortionists who bring in order, who are civilized criminals, and who don't just drag in violence for the sake of violence. On the other hand... CJNG was characterized by repeated violence, extreme violence, but also its focal point in many cases is invoking solidarity and promising to rid its areas of operation of other crime syndicates in the past. This went directly to the Zetas. Remember, they started off basically as Zeta killers. And also then to the Knights Templar, which is very much what the analysis from the Baker Center said, right? Dominant, hierarchical. Um, and then one last point is the idea that CJNG acts more as a task master, and sometimes franchise licensor, we're going back to the Brookings Institute, taxing all local businesses without seeking full control of the entire vertical chain of an economy. So the distinctions between CJNG and CDS appear to be the same or at least substantially similar regarding are using two different, two very distinct methodologies. If we go back to the Rice University Baker Institute for Public Policy paper, they also have something that's very fascinating, which is a question in the conclusion of what comes after CJNG or CDS. It notes that This network analysis isn't really good at creating concrete forecasts, but it does come up with two hypotheses. First, groups with significant alliances, uh, Cartel Unidos, La Nueva Familia Michoacana, Gros Unidos, others may be well-positioned to use their alliances to fill vacuums that might be left by the removal of CDS or CGNG from their dominant positions. Conversely, the removal of dominant groups is not likely to be clean. Rather, fragments within those groups will retain significant infrastructure, resources, alliance connections, and other capabilities that will allow them to fill the vacuum. Thus, the second hypothesis is that a fragment of CDS or CJNG will play a major role in the future of Mexican trafficking, even if those groups are removed. Given the internal alliance structure of CDS as its pole, it appears that in the event of the removal of CDS, its subgroups and allies would be more resilient and better positioned to form new replacement connections than those within the CJNG alliance in the event of the removal of CJNG hey. so what did i start off with saying if you understand the the social network if you understand the cartels if you use the methodologies available It gives you some insight on policies. What does this tell us? It tells us that removal of heads of CDS may not get rid of CDS. It may just fragment it. Compare that with the current environment in Mexico, which seems to have a focus on Los Chupitos, Both the brothers and El Nini and some of their associates. While at the same time on the surface. Seeming to have less concern with less of actions against CJ Bearing in mind that lots is going on behind the scenes below the surface. That I know nothing about. But isn't it interesting, based on this analysis, one cartel is able to survive, or might be able to survive, even in a fragmented form, longer, more consistently, more dominantly than the other. And does that impact policy? Should it impact policy? Okay, a second report came out uh, just a couple of days ago, about two weeks ago, in fact. And it's a follow-on to the paper that we just looked at. And the authors of this report, which is um, the, the same people I mentioned earlier, said... In this first paper, we examined the overall structure of cartel alliances, and with access to some some data, they were able to demonstrate the overall structure of cartel alliances in Mexico in two ways. First, we empirically validated a bipolar structure in Mexico by demonstrating the high centrality of the two primary cartel actors. The two poles of power being CDS and CJNG. And there is a very great, uh, really interesting chart that I'm going to effort to put on YouTube in the next day or so. Um, And I say effort for copyright issues and we'll, we'll see how that goes. But in addition to demonstrating the bipolar nature of the cartels, this paper, the October paper, October 23 paper says, in addition, we found these two cartels that were organized by their alliances very differently. Sinaloa cartel, much more traditional, inserted itself into existing alliances all of which are demonstrated, again, in some charts and figures provided. CJNG, on the other hand, much more territorial, organized more hierarchically, with a less dense network structure. So, they validated this information, and then they asked questions. If we're looking at this data, is CDS really more traditional in terms of embedding themselves in existing networks? Or were they balancing against an encroaching CJNG? In this October report, they say we found a combination of factors rather than one factor alone explain these key differences. So, They said, when visualizing the cartel alliance network and its sizes, the cartels with the most alliances were the largest. That was the baseline network they used to predict future alliances using certain specific algorithms. And what they discovered, in part, was. The predicted relationships amongst the algorithms, and I should say the four algorithms were designed to capture different forms of social capital, trust, access to information, expectations, and the idea is that these elements, these different structures of social capital are Fundamental to establishing relationships within criminal organizations and could be favorable predictors to new relationships. Okay. So they take all this data, they use a couple of different algorithms, they want to predict, and just so we're understanding, predicting future alliances. And it says what we discovered. Was fascinating, the predicted relationships likely already existed. We were able to summarize this qualitatively based on the fact that many of the predicted relationships were groups already fighting on the same side against the same enemies and in the same cities. Thus, it was highly unlikely that these groups were not already working together. This led us to key insights, namely predictive algorithms can help us not only identify potential future alliances, but also reveal missing data. So this follow-up report basically supports the conclusions that we talked about, the distinctions between CJNG. And the predictions of what might happen if either of those two central actors was essentially taken out of or diminished within the cartel network, and said, you know what, we were right. This is how it goes, and we can be more predictive. So, what does this all mean? Well, it means that we have a well-defined and described network that has connections between cartel members, between the primary cartel actors, CJNG and CDS, other cartels ranked by their density, their centrality. And that gives us an understanding of which networks operate in which ways, right? So we understand CDS and CJNG are different. We also know now from this, by looking at the network, the degree to which their differing structures impacts other cartel network actors. Applying this data This analysis should promote different policy analyses, different policy discussions. The more we know about the cartels, the better off we are. It's no different. This is Sunday, Sunday football. If you've never seen the other team play, your defense against their offense probably isn't as good as if you've watched tape for a month, right? It seems obvious to me. These are the discussions that should be happening, and not just in academia, but amongst excuse me, law enforcement, politicians, media consulting, or media representatives. One concern that I have, which is not to disparage anyone, but is that the voice of a certain community talking about cartels is in large respect uniform. And I think that does a disservice to policy analysis and the promulgation of policies that actually are effective in the long term. The other thing that this paper clearly shows is that this idea of if we send special forces into Mexico and we kill El Mencho, we send special forces in and we capture Los Chapitas and El Mayo that somehow that mystically, magically is going to solve the problem of the cartels in Mexico and drug trafficking from Mexico and the United States. This analysis, coupled with the Brookings Institute analysis and coupled with common sense, says that's simply not the case and it's not going to happen. The network that comprises the cartels and the cartel network is extensive and multifaceted. If you're going to have a policy to deal with the cartels, you have to understand the network. You have to understand the relationship between the parties. Okay, hopefully that wasn't too esoteric. I think it's important, I think it's interesting, and I appreciate you taking time to listen. Next week, we're going to look at, barring something crazy coming up, we're going to look at some CIA reports discussing the Camarena case. What else? This week, um, I'm going to try and put that chart and some others on YouTube. We'll see how that goes. I do want to mention I have some presentations that have been prepared on the Camarena case, on Mexican cartels, on drug trafficking, and am hoping to make some presentations to some different groups based on those. So if anybody has an interest, please let me know. And that will do it for today. Enjoy the rest of the weekend. This has been Cartel's Conspiracies in Camarena. Take care.